Now it's time for a bonus bomb. Now, here's Doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back uh, to Ian Board Bombs. This is Blake Briggs, comma, MD. We're joined today by uh, Dr. Iltafat Hussein, MD. Today's one of those interesting days where um, we really don't have anything to do. So we're just sitting here rambling. (laughs) There are patients to be seen in the ED waiting room right now. We're at work. That's a joke. No, we're just kidding. (laughs) We're just kidding. We're at the the Mark V studio. Mark V studio. Remember to subscribe on... Instagram, EM Board Bombs. Hit us up on Twitter, Twitter at EM Board Bombs, and also drop us an Apple review. We like to do a quick story, and then we get into the topic. What story are we going to do? <laughs> we have a lot of stories. So it turns out a couple weeks ago, um, I finally decided to take a vacation from EM Board Bombs. And uh, <laughs> so I went to the Grand Canyon with my, my father, who's also a physician. And as we were going, I, I called a Iltafat over the phone, and I was like, hey, um, I'm going to be out for a couple weeks. I'm going to be in the Grand Canyon backcountry, and, uh, you know, let me know if anything, you know, happens. I'll, I'll catch up when I get back. Iltafat texts back. He's like, hey, so are you, are you staying, like, in a resort? Are you actually, <laughs> are you camping, like, outside with, like, tents and camping? <laughs> he was overly fascinated with the process of actually camping, and I was like, no, no, we're just going to, we're going to, like, filter our own water and, and cook our own meals, that kind of thing. And he proceeds to, tell my me, <laughs> proceeds to tell me my this tragic story as a child <laughs> where he grew up never camping. Yes, I wasn't really allowed to <laughs> camp, uh, mainly uh, because I remember, I have this vivid memory, you know, I'm, uh, I was born in India, uh, you know, dad kind of came here, um, you know, fresh off the boat. He, <laughs> he you know, he didn't, uh, father didn't come by uh, great means. I remember telling my dad when I was, uh, I still remember this pretty vividly. I was around seven or eight. Young Iltafat. Young Iltafat, you know, uh, precocious kid, you know. So, you know, I remember I tell him, Dad, uh, I want to camp outside. Some of my friends, you know, want to camp outside too. And he looks at me and he says, you know, because at this time, you know, this is the age, right, where you're camping right. outside. You're all the kids tent, are doing you it. You a tent, you know, in your yeah. backyard. And, and my dad looks at me. He's like, what, what do you mean camping? Like, like a tent? I was like, yeah, like, Dad, I want I want." I want a tent. And he was like, well, why don't you just put a tent in your bedroom? Uh, that's literally what he told me. I was like, Dad, you know, a tent's supposed to go outside. So you want to take a tent and sleep in the backyard outside and not in your bedroom. Outside this perfectly good house. Yeah, and he's like leading this up, you know. And I'm, I'm like, what is he leading into? And then he just goes crazy. He's just like, are you insane? And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? And my friends are doing it. He uh, looks at me. He's like, uh, yeah, he's like, where I'm from, uh, tent is used uh, to survive. <laughs> he's like, what am I going to tell the relatives that my child is now in a tent? They're going to think we're homeless. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. You brought shame on this household. <laughs> how dare you? He's like, you know how hard I work to avoid me sleeping in a tent? Now go back to your room and keep building that rocket that you were working on for the past week. Right. <laughs> oh man, that true story. I was working on a rocket, probably right. <laughs> you know, small. You were know, you in rockets. Were you in AP physics in uh, third grade, or <laughs> I was in a lot of AP classes? But yeah, that was... <laughs> so yeah, when you went tending with dad, I was just I was shocked. It was intense, <laughs> like camping. <laughs> so well, uh, we should probably talk about something. Yeah, let's talk about a topic. This is a great segue. Um, talk about a really, a really related topic, which is hyperkalemia. <laughs> Dialysis. Dialysis. We're going to give a quick yeah. primer on uh, managing the dialysis patient in the ER. So uh, 
When you are managing the dialysis patient who shows up in the ER setting, one of the first things you really need to do is get a great history. And by getting a great history, it's not your typical history. I oftentimes see residents, med students do this, uh, where they're asking the typical questions I would ask any other patient. You have to treat your dialysis patients differently here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get your basic history, sure, but there are key questions that you need to be asking them that should literally be in the HPI. Like, you know, in that epic template uh, that you use when you're documenting HPI, there should yeah. be a dialysis HPI. Um, and the things you need to find out are, you know, the obvious things, like what days to get dialysis, but um, you should also find out, hey, what is their dry weight? Dialysis patients, they won't even know what medications are. They might not even know they're on dialysis, but they know what their yeah. dry weight is. Um, so find out what their dry weight is. Any changes uh, to their dry weight recently? Um, any changes in the dialysis sessions recently? Um, how much weight got taken off at the last dialysis session? Sometimes there's a new dry weight they're trying to establish. Um, and ask when that was established because they might be having hypotension. And you ask them, they're like, oh, yeah, I just got, you know, this, they're trying to take more off in the last, you know, week or two. Right. Um, and then you always want to find out if they're producing urine, if so, how much. Uh, and it, obviously looking and asking how fresh their dialysis site is as well. Mm-hmm. That's another thing uh, that's really important to ask. Um, so those are, again, from a historical standpoint, really finding mm-hmm. out that dry weight, finding out what's going on in the dialysis sessions, how much weight was taken off. Those are a couple of key things that I don't see asked mm-hmm. uh, a lot uh, by uh, residents and medical students. Mm-hmm. Now let's get into hyperkalemia right. and what to do. Uh, everyone knows some of the key things, but I'm just going to mention a couple of the pearls um, on how to deal with hyperkalemia. Honestly, the most life-saving thing we probably do is managing hyperkalemia. One of the most life-saving is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You know, cause... Not shocking people? <laughs> you know I love shocking people. Well, from a volume standpoint, right? Yeah, and and see, I think that's, that's key, right? Right. Like, you know, like pneumonia and stuff like that from a time-sensitive standpoint, yeah, eventually they'll get treated with antibiotics. <laughs> they'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, looks like an ambulance is pulling into Ooh. the bay. Uh, like That's that perfectly timed. Perfectly we perfectly timed. had that. Uh, but hyperglymia really is one of those things where you really need to be able to recognize it quickly, manage it quickly, otherwise the right, patient's right. going to die, right? So right. Uh, real quick, going through it. The EKG changes associated with hyperkalemia, they depend on the ratio of intracellular to extracellular potassium. So that's really key to know. It's not just the extracellular concentration. So you can have someone with a potassium 6.5 that has significant EKG changes, whereas you can have someone with a potassium 7.5 and their EKG looks stone cold. And that ratio is really important. So that's why you can't go off that serum potassium. Mm-hmm. You really need to go off what that ECG shows you. So, um, some of those ECG changes you're going to see. First, you're going to see the you know tenting of the T wave that everyone talks about. But honestly, that's not the one that is that concerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's the widening of the QRS complex and the ST segment changes that you see. Oftentimes, it's depression more so than elevation. We'll get into that elevation part later. That's kind of that's the second change you'll see. Uh, PR interval is prolongated. Uh, that's bad news. And then you develop atrial standstill, and then a sine wave tracing develops, uh, followed by further badness, uh, which is also known as VFib or asystole. 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 Where's that from again? That's from that video of the um, orthopedic surgeon. Oh, God. There we go. <laughs> so um, the SD segment elevations that occur with hyperkalemia, oftentimes it looks like the patient's having a STEMI. Um, or pericarditis, right? So potassium hyperkalemia is often known as the great mimicker, where uh, it'll mimic a lot of other things that it's really not. Do you want to hear my uh, take, how I describe what hyperkalemia does to the heart? Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. It's the lupus of EKGs. (laughs) That's true. I love it. And I talked to one of our colleagues, and he said it's actually the syphilis of EKGs. (laughs) But both are right. 
both are right. Yeah, uh, it does whatever it wants. It does really. whatever it wants. If you have unchanged, weird, ischemic ST or T wave changes for an EKG, chances are it's probably hyperkalemia. <laughs> and the way I think about it also, I know you were describing the T wave and ST segment changes, but I like to think of it as um, it's almost like you're unraveling. The QRS complex is getting wider and wider, and then the T wave is also getting wider, and that's that transformation going to that sine wave. That's a good point. It's just like you're kind of like, like literally it. pulling out a piece of like string, and it's starting to get spread yeah. out more, straightening out a ribbon or something like that. <laughs> like a Whatever. belt, or I don't know. Whatever, I'll cut that out. No, the whole point. Yeah, you just you're yeah. basically straightening out this QRS complex, yeah. and like it's just the way my mind's thinking. Your, okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm thinking. thinking. Next level. This I'm is trying to, I don't it's know like how the matrix. You know, yeah. you're seeing. I'm seeing a green screen. You're yeah. seeing everything. What's all the code going down the computer? <laughs> you're seeing. You're yeah. seeing people. Uh, hyperkalemia treatment. So <laughs> calcium, remember, antagonizes the effect of potassium on the myocardium, uh, without uh, direct effect on the serum potassium level. So remember, mm. it's a temporizing measure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, calcium administration is the quickest way to reverse the life-threatening arrhythmias that are associated with hyperkalemia. Now, do you do gluconate or chloride? There's a very obvious answer here. You really need to be doing calcium gluconate, especially non-code, well, mainly non-code situations. As long as the patient does not have liver disease, the patient should be getting calcium gluconate. Calcium gluconate goes through the liver. Um, so if they don't have a liver disease, it's going to work just as fast as the calcium chloride. Now, uh, there is a difference between the two when it comes to the amount of calcium. Calcium gluconate has 8.9 uh, mg per ml. Uh, versus chloride, which has 27.2 mg per ml. Both are usually found in like an ampule, like 10 ml. Yeah. But again, uh, the onset is immediate, and it lasts for about 30 to 60 minutes. That's another really important thing to remember, and I think something that oftentimes people don't think of is they think that it temporizes the cardiac membrane for hours. It doesn't. Uh, really around the 45-minute mark, you should be getting a repeat EKG on the patients to make sure that uh, you are not having that widening of QRS anymore. Uh, you're not having... Um, you know, PR interval issues, and that you're seeing a more appropriate EKG. If you're not, then you need to consider redosing that calcium gluconate. Yeah, that's one of the biggest pitfalls of being in the ED managing these patients is you have other patients too, but temporize them, call nephrology and say easy ICU admission, easy dialysis admission. You got to remember to go back and circle, circle the wagons, as I like to say. Circle the wagons. Now, the other therapy you can use intravenous insulin or and glucose. Now, they shift the extracellular potassium into the cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, this temporizes it until you can definitively get treatment, which is obviously dialysis. But onset for this is about 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and it lasts for about four to six hours. So mm-hmm. it buys you a good amount of time. That's probably the most commonly used one we see. It is. It is. And, and it works pretty quickly. The way I look yeah. at it is like calcium will help me in the immediate sense, and then that insulin will kind of kick in and, and help me out a little bit more long term. Mm-hmm. Now, albuterol nebulized, onset for that is about 30 minutes. It's a bit longer than I thought. I thought it would yeah, be that's, quicker. That's I thought it would be like within five minutes, but onset yeah. is about 30 minutes. And duration is about two hours. So, mm. again, it buys you a few hours. Yeah. Lasix, the patient is still producing urine. Really think about that. That actually works pretty quick. You know, onset for Lasix, but only about 15 minutes starts working. And duration for that is about two to three hours. Is that Lasix uh, or Lasix? <laughs> or Lasix is pretty good oh, at fixing your vision. <laughs> <laughs> Now, KXLate, oh my god, It's not good. <laughs> Please don't use this. I think most of the people <sighs> I think listening to this know this, but is anywhere from two hours to 24 hours. 
Uh, I'm not joking. It's anywhere from two hours. And most people say around two hours, but there's those drought that shows it takes maybe 24 hours to maybe mm. even 100 hours to work. It's pretty crazy. Mm. Duration is uh, maybe four to six hours. It's what you want it to be. It's what you want it to be. Uh, but the complication is known. I can say that definitively. One of the complications is intestinal ischemia. That is not a question mark. The Mahoney Cochrane Review in 2005 basically said that uh, potassium absorbing resins have never been found to be effective in the first few hours of treatment. So, for ED purposes, honestly, you should not be given K exhalate. Hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of questionable literature as to whether they really work on the inpatient side. Sounds as well. questionable. <laughs> What's not questionable is so you shouldn't be using it. Question is do you have the intestinal fortitude <laughs> to destroy someone's intestines? <laughs> that is. Is the question. Is the question. So anyways, that's pretty much it. We want to I keep like this that. short. I like that. Give a couple of pearls. Again, remember yeah. the key questions to ask when you have your dialysis patient. It's important, again, for you to understand the onset and duration of the various therapies that you're using for hyperkalemia and to understand how just because someone's potassium is 6.1, um, you should really make sure you go based on what that ECG tells you. Yeah, so really, uh, I'm going to pick up what you're lying down here. Uh, two things to learn from today. EKGs are like ribbons. You can spread them out. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, hyperkalemia is the lupus or syphilis of EKGs. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you don't tell the patient that they have syphilis Yes. when they have hyperkalemia. When they have, don't get them confused. Yeah, don't get them confused. They're very different. They might, yeah, they're very different. They might take offense to they're it. They're very different. They might, they might give you a bad... Um, Although they would probably want the syphilis more than the hyperkalemia. What? What are you talking a patient, about? A patient. If you were told a patient, yeah, you have ESRD. You know, oh, versus well, I thought you just said hyperkalemia alone. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would take the hyperk I mean, or anything. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, if you had ESRD, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, no one would want that. Yeah, no one wants to go on dialysis. I feel like this Speaking is- today, our sponsor is uh, DeVita. I feel like this is turned into a game of what would you rather have? I do that game all the time. All the time. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, you should do an Apple review for us. <laughs> Ian Board Bombs. Let's talk about that. It's what we do. Give us five stars. And, you know, don't stop there. Um, We prefer written reviews, if you can. One sentence, two sentences, two words. Do what you want. We have some pretty creative reviews. You know, in the meantime, while you're doing that review, you should sign up, too. Um, Subscribe at ianboardbombs.com. Get free newsletters. Get nice study guides. Hey, did you see that study guide just released a couple days ago for PE? It was great. Wouldn't you like to be alerted when things come up? That's great. I would. I would. Yeah. So why don't you go there and check it out? Um, that's about it. You got anything else? That's pretty much it. All right. Thanks. See you next time.